Welcome to Weekend at Effie's. This week, we're having a beautiful time in the state of Washington, but not the part of Washington you're expecting. We're going to eat a bag of dicks. We're going to go to concerts. I'm going to get in a jacuzzi hot tub. We're going to talk about dogs. We're going to talk about learning. And we're not going to be controversial even a little bit. No hot takes, baby. Weekend at Effie's.com for the Patreon. Follow Effie Lives on Twitter. Follow Low Sky Dance on Twitter and Instagram to get the magic from Pitar. And thank you all for listening. And thank you all for trusting me to have very strong opinions about the world. We're also going to talk about probation. Lord. <sighs> what a life, Pitar. You know, I got to tell you something. And I think I may have mentioned this before. Sometimes I forget. Like, I obviously, we have cameras in front of me. We have microphones. But I just be chatting, right? And I got real fired up last week, and I continue getting fired up sometimes. But real listeners of the podcast know this is not, I'm not just out here serving hot takes all the time. We're actually very limited on hot takes, weirdly enough. Yeah, but the hot takes are taking over the internet. Uh, so I'm going to try to uh, reduce the hot takes this week just because uh, there's a lot of heat and it's fine. And I'm correct, and I appreciate everyone who came to my defense on things. Um, but boy, the people with anime profile pictures and uh, WWE superstar profile pictures were not happy with me telling the truth. <laughs> they were very unamused by me saying that a lot of these... Here's my... They were like, you don't have proof of this. Here's my proof of this. Uh, and we're not even going to clip this. We're just, I'm just telling you. My proof is, um, oh, I've been to thousands of independent wrestling shows with all sorts of idiot superstars, and I'm going to tell you the secret. No one fucking cares when these people show up. Here's the here's my impression. Here's my impression of uh, the fans at a wrestling show. Awesome, man. That was a great wrestling show. Here's my impression of fans at a wrestling show, and they also booked a former TV superstar. Hey, man, that was an awesome wrestling show, and we got to see that one guy. You see what I'm getting at, which is no one specifically is showing up for them, and it is annoying. And some people are like, well, if you're mad your rate's not higher, then you're just jealous. Let me tell you a secret. It has nothing to do with my rate in particular. It has to do with a large portion of the show's funding going to something unnecessary. And me being someone who ran a $2 million business going... Do y'all care about profit margins? Do you care about return on investment? Do you care about physically making money with your wrestling shows? That's more of the frustration. This isn't about a single person. This isn't about ruining somebody's life. This isn't about, they say, give them a chance to draw. Yeah, well, honey, I've seen this hundreds of times. It's not going to happen. Uh, good luck to you. But y'all were allowed to be on a show. You were not put there because you were bringing in specific ratings. There's very few that are bringing in specific ratings. Either way, I'm done with it. I'm over it. And we're going to have a joyous episode this week because I had a wonderful time. Last week, when I got home from Germany and we recorded, uh, that was the first time I'd been home for four full days in literal weeks and weeks and weeks. It had been one day, two days. Maybe there was a three day. I don't yeah. know. But there had not been a lot of me being home. And it was so lovely to just be in my house. And now this week again... I have five days at home. I got home Sunday afternoon, and I'm home Monday through Friday, and I'm not leaving again until Saturday. Now, granted, I'm leaving for a while. I'm going to go to New Jersey. 
I'm going to go to Tokyo, Japan. I'm going to go to Los Angeles. Then I'm going to come back to Atlanta and I'm going to wrestle at the Eastern, which is a venue a mile from our house. Opening for St. Paul and the Broken Bones. So sick. What a week. What a blessed week. Like, if anybody thinks I'm bitter, let's look at my schedule this week. I get to wrestle two days in the showboat, which Matt Cardona just announced his top three venues of all time. MetLife Stadium, Madison Square Garden, the Showboat Hotel and Casino. So I get to start my weekend doing two days in the showboat for GCW Fight Club. I get to watch a War Games match. This is the first War Games match at GCW that I'm not in, that I get to just watch a War Games match, which is an absolute blessing to see these men almost die. None of my matches for Fight Club are even announced. I'm not worried about that. Uh, I will be there. I will be wrestling. I'm very excited. And then Monday, we leave for Tokyo. I'm going to do at least two shows in Tokyo. I'm getting to wrestle at Shinkiba First Ring again. I'm getting to wrestle at Cork and Hall again. And my Cork and Hall match is... Effie Alley Bussy and Maki fucking Ito versus three Kikutaros. Uh, who knows how this will go, but I'm going to have fun getting to go to Cork and Hall for GCW specifically and getting to work with these awesome Japanese wrestlers is fantastic. I'm going to go back to Los Angeles Saturday and do another GCW show. Have no idea what I'm doing there. Don't care what I'm doing there. And then Sunday, like I said, returning to the Eastern. Now, here's something we discussed, Pitarm. When I got back from Japan last year in October, I landed, and then the next day, I went to the Eastern to see Father John Misty in concert, which was life-altering, life-changing, and after that, I actually left for Atlantic City the next day for the Moxverse Gage show, wrestled uh, Shota from Genpro, and now I'm going to come back from Japan and wrestle in that same venue. What a beautiful arching story that's happening here i get to come back and go to the venue again but i'm a part of the show now and to be wrestling a mile from your house holy shit and for it to be opening for saint paul and the broken bones which i've watched clips from their shows specifically at the eastern those shows are lit we're the opening band we're the airhead of the james blake concert (laughs) that's ridiculous we're gonna get into so much here and I had a lovely week. Pitar, did you have a lovely week? I did. I did. I feel like we're getting into a transitional period of the year, and we're opening to a new plot line and storyline. And, you know, I had uh, some awakenings this week that, you know, fit in line with the things that are shifting. And it feels like fall is here, and uh, emotionally, we're in a very, we're in a calming period. That's going to be exploratory. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, not yeah, like, yeah. oh, everything is calm in the way that, like, it's boring. Like, it's calm in the way that it's like, we're settling into the things the way they're supposed to be. It was a cruel, cruel summer, to quote Bananarama. <laughs> to quote the great band Bananarama, it was a cruel, cruel summer. But now we are free to be ourselves in the fall season. Spooky season. Spooky season. I have a lot of bookings coming up, if you check the calendar. After... The Eastern in Atlanta, I will be a top talent in Alberta, Canada, Edmonton, Alberta, defending my championship, my top talent heavyweight championship against Andy Anderson. Then Saturday, I will be at uh, Real Canadian Wrestling in Calgary. Then Sunday, the 22nd, I will be debuting at Fight Life in Rehometh, Rehometh, Massachusetts, near Providence and Boston area. And then uh, after that, 
I will be going to Freelance Wrestling to fight for the World Heavyweight Championship there against Storm Grayson. I'm about to drop a promo that's going to fuck the world out, but I have to wait until tomorrow. I'm not giving away too much, but I have to wait until tomorrow because we are doing some changes, some visual effie changes that are going to be quite exciting. And uh, then the next day, I'm going to San Francisco to wrestle for Full Queer, which is a sick LGBTQ promotion. And then Sunday, I'm going to The Fest. And I don't know if you saw my brief tweet, but Laura Jane Grace plays in the same venue as us of Against Me right after Fest Wrestling. So I'm very much hoping she shows up early because I want to worship and compliment and celebrate her. Uh, I only got to see Against Me one time in concert in Orlando, and it fucking ripped. That is rock and fucking roll. Yeah. And she just like... There's such a fucking energy to them that is so goddamn punk rock and so raw and crazy. And it was the most polite mosh pit that I've been a part of. Like, it was mosh and it was intense, but nobody was trying to wreck each other's shit. Yeah. Like, this wasn't like being um, the motionless and white fan at the Knocked Loose set. <laughs> this was this was a celebratory pit. And uh, after that, obviously, I'm going to do St. Louis and then Atlanta again. Returning to center stage November 4th. It's going to be so lit. November's crazy, especially Thanksgiving week. Uh, but I think, I keep saying this, and then I, this weekend in particular was supposed to be a weekend off, and then I was given an offer to come to Spokane, Washington. And I'm hoping I can leave one weekend open in November for mental health and rest. Yeah, and you need it. Peter is telling me I need a weekend off. Uh, I'm not I'm not saying that like you're coming unglued or unhinged. I just think you need a weekend off. I think you're correct. And so I might leave that weekend open. It would be nice to finish in Atlanta and then have a weekend off. Um, but, you know, like my father before me and like his father before him, we're workaholics. And so sometimes when work comes up as an option, we take it. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to we're going to consider taking a weekend off, though. We will see. Uh, it's Thanksgiving week. You know what I'm doing? I'm wrestling in Denver Wednesday, North Carolina Thursday, North Carolina Friday for WrestleCade, and then I'm appearing at WrestleCade Saturday. My mom was like, what's your Thanksgiving plan? And I was like, mother, uh, I'm working. <laughs> mother, which much like my father who worked in retail for a long time, uh, would always work on holidays. The craziness of Thanksgiving as a retail time, we were not big Thanksgiving people in our house, uh, but... I do need to go see my mom. I've probably said that eight times on this episode, on these episodes. Um, but her her sweet puppy passed away Aww. this week uh, after a long battle with some kidney disease. So I know that she could use some puppy love. So I might sneak Bebop and Cranberry up that way to visit and say hello. Uh, her and my grandma just went to Charleston together on a girl's trip. And it seemed like they had fun. I love that my mom now is just like traveling as much as I am. Like, she spent a month in England this summer, and she was like, that oh, you're going back rules. to England? Say hey to these people for me. Wonderful. Love it. It's very just, like, cute, like, live your life. She's retired now, does her own thing. Uh, but I sent her some flowers yesterday because I wanted to. Good for you. I wanted to take care of Mama, and that was a sweet dog. It was the first dog we ever had as a, like, within our family. Oh. Growing up, my dad did not allow us to have dogs. Have we discussed this before? I don't think so. Okay, so he wouldn't let us have dogs because growing up, he had dogs and a, a pony named Dickie that he would ride into town. And he was so devastated by the loss of these dogs that he was like, if we get a dog, it's going to die and my boys will be sad. So my brother uh, said, oh, we can't have dogs? Okay. 
and he went to the animal auction and he bought a goat. And so for three years while I was in college, we had a goat named Peanut living at our house. And Peanut, as my dad said, was satanic. Look at his eyes. That, that's a satanic goat. The, squ- the rectangle eyes are crazy. Well, and that was his point. It was like, you know, I don't trust it. Peanut ate every bush in our yard. Peanut would hop the fence. But I would also smoke weed out in the yard with Peanut at night. And Peanut would chill with me and keep me vibed. And me and Peanut would also box. So, like, you can box and he'll hit up with his head. They like to ram stuff with their heads. He would ram the door, too. Uh, and he would also climb up on my back. But the best thing Peanut did was convince my dad he was not satanic because I came home a few nights and Peanut would be in the bed with my dad. And he's like, he can't stay very long or he'll start pooping, but he likes to come cuddle. And my mom also got a sweater for that goat. So if you look up baby goat in a sweater, uh, you will see Peanut. It's about the sixth image down. Little brown goat in a blue sweater. I'll pull this image up for you. In a oh little my bit. god! We may have to tweet it from the podcast account. Wow! But Peanut was wonderful. Peanut went to live on the Blackberry Farm, which I don't think was a metaphor. I okay. think a literal Blackberry farmer a showed little, up at our okay. house and picked him up. And was like the, he can eat the bramble. I don't think it's like a heaven metaphor. It's not the Blackberry <laughs> Farm in the sky. No. Yeah, like I think he really went out to a South Carolina Blackberry Farm to help him eat the bramble. He was like, I need someone to eat the bramble, and this Peanut Peanut was like, Yeah, I'll do it. I'll eat the bramble. We uh, one of the first places I lived in Atlanta. Um, one day we got a knock on our door and they're like, "Hey, we're you know part of a yard service. Uh, there's going to be goats in your backyard this week." <laughs> and they just had a fence that they would move around the neighborhood, and the goats would the just goats eat the grass. Would just eat everything. Yeah, yeah. They will. They literally eat everything, and they don't care. And they're wonderful. We would feed that goat though. You have to get goat food, but they'll just eat bushes. I used to do a lot of acid in that backyard, and occasionally you would like come across a goat. <laughs> uh, they're very strange animals. They're very odd. They're not like sheep. They're not stupid. They're smart. Yeah, but they are just weird, and they're definitely not dogs. But that was our first family pet was a goat named Peanut. I love that. Yeah. So having my mother's dog pass away now, that was sort of our first dog. It's a very affectionate little schnauzer. And so I'm hoping she will get another puppy, but I know, you know, you don't want to rush that process. And uh, it's been probably a tough week for her, so I think I need to go see mom. Maybe we'll use that as the weekend off, a little refreshing family time of love. Uh, We'll have our own Thanksgiving. All right, so in keeping with the not doing hot takes but doing TikTok content, I'm now, I'm going to be drinking for the first time, and I'm looking at the camera directly, the Kim Kardashian Alani New uh, this is Kim Aid by Kim K. I've not tried it yet. We love the Alani New Beverages. I love the Witch's Brew along the with Witch's you. Brew is Cosmic so good. Stardust, Rips, uh, the Snow Cone one, the Cherry Snow Cone that has yes. the, uh, it's like a sizzle. It has a yeah. sizzle. So we are now trying Kim Aid by Alani New for the first time. Oh, what a snap. Oh, it has a very fragrant citrus tone. I almost want to say there's some floral in the citrus. So let's try the Kimade. I spilled it down my mouth. <laughs> I might still be rolling from last night. This is good. <laughs> it is uh, a very delicious pink lemonade. That's a good way of describing yeah, it. Yeah, it's a very good pink lemonade. It's a very sharp pink lemonade. And it does have biotin in it which helps your hair and nails nails grow. 
But if you take too much biotin, you basically just get massive breakouts all over your body. Because you have too much, like, uh, the skin is growing too much, mm-hmm. and so it puts it out. Well, I'm trying to grow a horn. I think that <laughs> I, I think that might work. Okay, we, uh, 9 out of 10. It'd be a 10 out of 10 if I grow a horn, so I'll let you guys know. Kim Aid by Kim K. Thank you, Alani New, for this delicious beverage. Uh, I hope that clips well with me dripping it down the side of my fucking mouth. Fantastic. As I drink it. I'm a sloppy bitch. I can't help it. Like, that's, it's part of my life. Uh, I want to, I, so I did something new this week, Pitar. I sometimes, I think our podcasts are great and I love the spontaneity of it, but I took some notes the other night uh, just to make sure I covered everything. And so I'm going to make sure I cover everything, but I'm going to still talk pretty casually about it. Now, I can't legally speak too much on uh, on the next subject, but I have to get into it a little bit. I am currently I'm currently on probation for my crimes against the state of Georgia for possessing the illegal substance known as um, cannabis gummies, okay? And to avoid being charged with trafficking of these illicit drugs. I did take a plea out probation deal that would still allow me to travel uh, for work because obviously they want to make sure you have an income. They want to make sure that you have a job. And my job is um, getting in pretend fights. So to do that, I have to travel a lot of places. Now, I do have to mention that they tried to move my case to Fulton County from Clay County and Fulton County refused because they are not allocating any resources on cannabis uh, crimes any further. So the the county we live in saying this isn't something that we're going to deal with, right? It's uh, for, for people that don't live in Georgia, it, the Atlanta bubble is a real thing. Yes. Like uh, all cannabis, everything is decriminalized in Atlanta. It is so basically it's like a $75 fine if you right. get caught. The worst thing that could happen to me if I had the same amount of stuff is I would have had to pay $75. But also no no one is paying that fine because no resources are going to that. Right. Because Atlanta fucking smells like weed and no one gives a shit. Yeah. I and got- also the the hemp stuff is just further muddying the waters where it's like You don't even know if it's the legal or legal like, like it's- I could be walking down the street smoking a joint and be like, Oh no, officer, I bought this in a store. It's Delta eight, which the courthouse also sold next to uh in the gas station next to where I got convicted, uh the Delta eight uh flour, gummies, and uh vapor pens right next to the courthouse. But what I had was, it doesn't matter. So because of that, uh, I'm now into Cobb County for my probation. And I had to go in. I had them come do a housing check when I got back from Germany to make sure I have a proper house. (laughs) So she came here. And I tried to start explaining, I'm going to need travel passes, which I've explained to the DA and the judge and my original officer. And um, this had not been explained to my new officer and she was saying, I don't think you can do that. And I was trying not to be a dick, but I was going, no, 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 no. That's the whole reason we're here is because I can do that. Why do you think I accepted this ridiculous sentence for cannabis gummies? And she said, well, you're going to have to do all of these things. And I said, okay. So they asked me to come in to bring my documentation and send everything over. And basically, from now on, I have to have 
every address of every hotel, every flight number, every show, proof of payment, and a contact for the show. So to promoters, you have to pay me immediately or else I'm in legal trouble uh, and I'll be in more legal trouble because I'll beat your ass if you hold it up. But I show up and I have about eight pages, (laughs) including my Wikipedia page to prove that Effie, who is listed on these events, is William Taylor Gibson, which is listed on the Wikipedia page with a picture of me going like this. Yeah, you can't accidentally give them the one for William Gibson, which yeah, is a the, different person. Who wrote Neuromancer, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, well, shout out the other William Gibson. We're both doing strong work in the creative community. Uh, what a guy, I'm sure. So I show up and she realizes at this point, not only do I have all my documentation. What is this noise? Lucy this has fully broken. I know, I love it. She's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I show up with every bit of documentation, including all of the documentation for the Japanese shows, all the documentation for the Canadian shows. And I know this look well, because I've given this look before as a manager of a business, which is when you realize you're going to have to do a lot of work. And she goes, well, you can't, you can't do anything until you pass the drug test. And I was like, all right, so let's do the drug test. And I of course, pass the drug test because I'm not playing games with this shit. This is my career. This is my livelihood. I'm not playing games. I pass the drug test immediately and there's just, I hear a sigh. (sighs) Because at this point she realizes she's going to have to fill out so much information. And so then she pulls the line of, well, for these international ones, it's not listed in your sentence. I'm going to have to get judge's approval. And I was like, well, that's a mistake. It should be listed in my sentence. So I reached out to my lawyer and she's like, no, it should be in your sentence. And so there's a little miscommunication and then it's cleared up. And now my lawyer's on their ass to be like, you need to get this done right now. Who do I need to call? And so she went ahead and called the judges, DA's attorney, whatever, called everybody. And so she's getting around the book. I think what I'm getting at is this. If y'all think for one second that giving me a little administrative bureaucracy is going to stop me from doing what I'm doing, you misunderstand who you're speaking to. Yes, you got me. I had some cannabis gummies. Yes, I'm under probation. But what the courts have agreed to is that Effie is allowed to travel worldwide. That Effie is going to be traveling every single weekend. And if you want to put the requirement up that I have to provide every lick of information, including PayPal transactions, apartment or hotel addresses, uh, different uh, contacts for every single show... Baby, buckle up. I will be back every single month. I will pee in that cup, and I will make you fill out 35 forms because I will have everything together. I am ready. I am willing, and I am able, and I am on the road. She goes, well, it might take me a while. I go, I'll sit here because I have to leave in the morning. Do you have the flight numbers for all this? Absolutely, I do. I had everything printed out and ready. It was magic. It was easy uh, for me personally, but... I just want to say this. If we need to get to the point where everyone writes a letter about how respectful and wonderful I am to get this unnecessary paperwork lifted, I will be reaching out to all of you and we will be flooding their office with even more paperwork. I am uh, ready to play the game. It's time to play the game. It's all about the game and how you play it. It's all about control and if you will take it. That's from Triple H's theme song sung by Motorhead about being the game. He's the cerebral assassin. As am I. We're ready. Uh, That's just a prelude to me being able to travel. I was given my first travel passes domestically. They are still waiting to email over my international travel passes. 
Uh, I pick up my Japanese work visa tomorrow from the embassy, which was a much easier process this time. And part of that was, I love AJ so much. Hey, no, ma'am. The children are fighting. We're having fun. So with the Japanese embassy, last time it was, number one, I'd never done it before. And so it was a little complicated. But also having AJ with me complicated it even more. Uh, but now I know the deal and it's just me. And I was very easily in and out of there uh, in about 10 minutes. It takes him a while. They have my passport. I feel naked without my passport. But we are here and we are ready. And I'm picking up that visa tomorrow. And I'm sure the email will come later today with my international travel passes. Mm -hmm. And we will be good to go. So very excited to return to Japan and Canada uh, and to let the government know I did have Brett from GCW write a letter and it basically says like he's needed for these shows obviously but also like in the politest way going he's not staying anywhere longer than he has to I love traveling I think it's great I love going to all these shows y'all I love coming home I get home as I would rather wake up at 4 a.m. for a 6 a.m. flight than stay somewhere all day and wait to come home I want to come see my babies I want to be in my own house it's limited they're going to tra start charging me air uh, airport rent at the Atlanta airport because I'm there so much. They're like, sir, do you live here? Sir, you got to go or you got to pay us. You're going to be in a Tom Hanks terminal situation soon. What's that movie called? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, we've done that joke too many times. I know, but it's so funny. What's that movie where Tom Hanks is stuck in the, in the terminal? Uh, so I went to Spokane, Washington. And not only did I perform a show, for the first time in a long time, I did a seminar, Pitar. And you know, we've had this discussion. It is mentally overwhelming sometimes for me personally to do these seminars because I feel like if people are giving me money to do a seminar, I have to give them everything and I have to like really make sure it's worth their time, which I did this time. But I also realized sometimes when I do seminars... I am not honoring the level people are at. Not that they're at, oh, they're dumb or anything. They're not. But I also have a decade of experience as an international pro wrestler under my belt. There are certain things they don't need yet. And so I tried to take a lot of the pressure off myself. We had a lot of people show up. It was awesome. We took a cute picture. It's a no bump seminar. So like we're just talking things out. I'm answering all the questions. I'm discussing wrestling. As they said, I have never heard someone talk about wrestling the way you talk about it, which is like the ultimate compliment you can give me. Oh my God. That's if you want to stroke my ego, say that like you talk about wrestling, like no one I've ever heard. That's fantastic. Uh, they were listening. They were attentive. And at the end of the seminar, even though we had no bumps, they were all like, can we run some spots with you? And I was like, what? And they were like, we want to like do some moves and bump. And I was like, all right, let's fucking do some moves and bump. So at the end of the seminar, I started just like running spots with people at the show and I was like, y'all didn't have to bump and you wanted to. What an incredible thing. What a magic time. Afterwards, I uh, went to Dick's. Are you familiar Sporting at all? Sporting Goods? No, so it's a hamburger place. So I learned something. Oh, even better. So this is how fucking stupid I am. I forgot or didn't realize AEW had a pay-per-view in Seattle this weekend. Like I just, it didn't even occur to me. And there is a separate Dick's in Seattle that is, I guess there's a family feud with the Dick's Hamburger franchise where one of the Dick's is in Seattle and one of the Dick's is in Spokane or there's multiple Dick's in either. And 
you at both places you purchase a bag full of dicks and they both look about the same very small menu you can get a whole bag of dicks um they're they're great they're cheap burgers they got ice cream sandwiches delicious french fries also i don't know what the fuck y'all are doing up there but they serve their french fries with tartar sauce Ooh. It's very good tartar sauce, but it's also like I would it's unexpected. I only ever have tartar sauce with fish, right? Like it was just with french fries. It was delicious, but it was very confusing. I got a sign with the dick sign or a picture with the dick sign and uh I realized when I posted the picture with the dick sign, people thought I was in Seattle and they thought I was like hinting at something where I was going to be at the AEW pay-per-view. And it was confusing me. They were like, oh, are you here for the Russell dream? And I was like, what? What?" And then I realized, oh, there's a pay-per-view there. And this looks like the Dicks in Seattle, but it's the Dicks in Spokane. And I was just in a whole other part of Washington for no reason that had to do with AEW. But people were like, huh, is this a, are you hinting at something? And I was like, what would I be hinting at? I'm just that unout of the loop on things that I just had no clue what was going on. I want to shout out Chase James with Relentless for setting up the seminar, and I also want to shout out, and I don't remember the name of his perfect little dog. He has a, it's like a Pitbull Great Dane mix, Ooh. and he was very protective of the house at first, which I really, I appreciate. He was just barking at me a lot. He finally let me pet him and rub his nose and rub his little snoot. I just want to say, it doesn't matter how much money I make, it doesn't matter how good the matches are, it doesn't matter how sick the shows are, if I don't get to hang out with a dog for a little bit on these trips... It's not worth my fucking time. And so to get to hang out with his big, cuddly, pity puppy, who was clearly smelling our dogs like on me and was like very intrigued by that, but a little like, let me protect this house. Uh, it's not worth it. It's, it's not worth it to go on the trips. I want to see dogs. I want to see puppies. If you've watched any of the Patreon vlogs, there'll be like two second clips of dogs in airports where I'm just like, oh, I will film any dog I see. I want to pet your dog. Like, please let me see dogs. I would love to get Bebop to the point where he is... Like, legally, I can have him on the plane. He's a psychiatric service dog because I have been diagnosed with PTSD from being attacked at work. Which, you know, is... I don't want to get into it. Um, I could have him on the plane. I could do it. I am so scatterbrained and so ADD and so unmedicated that keeping up with a dog and being Effie at the same time at this point is very difficult. I don't think he's difficult, but I think there would be moments where I'm like, Bebop, please. Like, I just had to order that car thing yeah now i yes it's my fault that i haven't had a car carrier for the dog and usually i just trust that he'll stay but he's figured out how to get in the front and he tries to sit in my lap while i'm driving and it is to have that kind of like also he sheds a little you know like there's just certain factors where i'm like this is complex and i'm like i'm a global superstar but not enough where i have to like make other people deal with my dog for that long you know let me see your dog let me hang out with your dog bring dogs to the shows let me pet dogs. I beg of you this. I beg of you to let me have dogs. Now, the hotel I was at in Spokane, this is a miracle. All right. I don't want to discount, you know, like there's a lot of parts of my life that aren't glamorous on the road, right? Any rock and roller could tell you there's like just times of no glamour. Even going past the um what's the what's the symphony building attached to the High Museum, like the art center? I don't know. I, I saw tour buses outside of it yeah. for someone that was playing yeah, 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 at this yeah. venue. Like Bill Shatner has played this venue. And like, it's a very cool big venue, probably a 3,000 seat theater. And I'm looking and I'm going, you know, back in my day, I'd be like, this is glamorous. But I realized 
these are just people living on buses. Yeah, they get their moment in the glory every night. What I'm getting at is a lot of times I share hotel rooms with people. A lot of times they're regular hotel rooms. It's not a problem. I love hanging out. I love sh- I've shared rooms with Brian Keith. We always have great conversations. I've shared rooms with Manser, Cole Radrick, Allie, of course, Dark Chic. Like, I don't care who's in my room. It's great. But there is something about like not having any privacy for a long period of time and going from like, I'm around people to I'm around people to I'm around people that can be a little much. God bless Relentless Wrestling. God bless Chase Shames. I had a whole jacuzzi suite to myself, full king bed bedroom and bathroom, two TVs, well, not huge TVs, but TVs, and a jacuzzi tub and full kitchen. And the jacuzzi tub is in the living room. I filled that jacuzzi tub and I watched a Lifetime movie starring Aunt Becky, uh, God rest her soul. Isn't she in prison or did she get out? Doesn't matter. There's a Lifetime movie with Aunt Becky that I watched from the jacuzzi tub while it was full and whirlpooling and it was so relaxing. And then the next day, guess what? I didn't have to be at the show till late. I just chilled all day at this hotel and I had jacuzzi time and I watched TV and I checked my emails and I had Taco Bell and it was so refreshing to have like a room to myself with nothing to do for a second before these shows. Like it's, I can't even express to you how magical it is to just have your own little space for a second. Now the second night, Keita Murray was staying there and he said, can I just stay in your room? Cause I don't have a room, I, whatever. I said, yeah. Because I've been in this room alone for a whole day. I'm good now. And I mean, we were only literally in the room together for four and a half hours from midnight until I left at 4.30 in the morning. But it worked out perfectly well. I've got to say this. So like we're both, you know, I think Kita's probably bisexual and I probably fall under a pansexual thing. My rule is if it's legal and it makes you horny, don't argue with it, which I think is a good rule. That's how I would describe my sexuality. Um... But we both have like real big top energy. So it's funny to hang out with. It's the closest thing I'm going to get to like kind of locker room talk with the boys to just be with another full top and just be like, yeah, dude, we're into doing the same things, but not to each other at all. You know, like there's just a very like, yeah, we're both like, yeah, we're both gay dudes, but like not like that. You know, it was like, I love Keita Murray. I've got to have him back at the next big gay brunch. Uh, we're going to talk again about, I keep prolonging my exit from Big Gay Brunch, and it's because of other people, but we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Keita Murray fucking rules. Um, this venue that we wrestled at is, it's called Players and Spectators. It's in Spokane, Washington, and they have bowling and cornhole and an arcade and pool tables and darts and a full bar and... Once again, to just parade through these venues, I had to go to the bathroom, right? And I'm in full gear and I'm in fishnets and pleather trunks and like a little crop top and a headband. And I'm just walking through this like hangout bar spot for regular Eastern Washington folks. I mean, we're 10 miles from Idaho, if that kind of like gives you the idea. And just the looks, you just forget that you're a bizarre character until you're in the middle of having to walk through a building. Now, obviously, there were fans there to see us, but there was also a lot of people at that building who were not at all here to see us. And I'm just parading through in my leather boots and p- pantyhose, going to take a shit, just living my fantasy <laughs> and trying to trying to be under the radar. But there's just no way. And you're getting a lot of comments. It was hot. Uh, I wrestled the Devil Drexel. I've wrestled him before. And 
last time he paper cut it and stapled my cock. And this time he stapled my trunks to my taint. Now he also stapled money to my body, which is its own fucking problem. But he stapled full staples through my trunks into my taint area. I don't know the medical term. What's the, is it medically the gooch? Uh, yeah. Or is it the taint? Or is it like the forbidden for? I don't know. Like it's whatever it is, it was stapled on me uh, after going through a table, after getting slammed on chairs, after pile driving him, after making out with him, after getting stapled and bleeding. I did finally defeat the devil Drexel uh, in this contest at Relentless Pro Wrestling. And God bless Chase James again. Put me right before intermission. So I did my match. I sold merch and I was done for the night. It is always fun to be done with a show earlier in the show than later in the show. Like, I'll work any position on a show. I'll work match 10. I don't give a shit. But when you're match four and you're done after the hour of the show, and you can just enjoy the show and watch the show. And I got to watch, like, Tom Lawler, TJP have a match and got to hang out with Royce Isaacs and uh, Jarrell Nelson of the Wrecking Crew. They hang out with Lawler. Tom Lawler's crazy. Are you familiar with Tom Lawler? I've heard the name. He's like an ex-UFC guy. Okay. Who, so we had a match one time where we did a spot where I take off his jean shorts to reveal tights that look like jean shorts underneath. He's very silly. He's a very silly man who fully understands pro wrestling. And MMA was great for him. He's good at MMA. He's a very seriously trained fighter. Uh, but... He's very good at professional wrestling. And being around him, he's one of the funniest dudes ever. Another person in that locker room, though, obviously having Keita there, great LGBTQ influence. And I'm sure there's other people in the locker room that are of the LGBTQ ilk. But uh, I met someone new, and that is Zay Perez. And Zay was doing a hilarious bit where one of the wrestlers, Amira, could not be there. So Zay was in full drag as Amira to fit the bill to be Amira. And I was like, so I'm, it, we're starting in the ring and I like meet this person. And then when I go to the back, they're in full drag. And I was like, this is my kind of wrestling show. This is what I'm talking about. Uh, it's just wonderful to have those people in the locker room. They're like, you're like immediately you're like, we're in the same world. This is good. Like there's a sense of comfort to see more and more people from our world in the world of wrestling. And it just sets a better precedent for the space. It feels good. And it gives me new people I can book on these shows. You know what I mean? Like, oh, shit, here's another talented LGBTQ wrestler. Let's be on the lookout. That's the problem with booking the Big Gay Brunch, too, is like I travel the country all year. I travel the world all year. I meet everyone. I'm so impressed with everyone's talent. I want to book everyone. I frustrate myself by the fact that like I can't book everyone all the time because I'm on the ground level seeing what these people are capable of. And I'm like, I want them on my show. Let me have them on my show. And I can't always have everyone on my show, which sucks. So I guess I have to do more shows. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, after the show, pretty normal stuff. Got a little food. Went to the hotel. We had to wake up very early. And I'm not going to shade Chase James here because he paid me back for the taxi. But we wake up to go at 4.30 a.m. to the airport for a 6 a.m. flight to catch a layover in Denver to get home by 4 o'clock our time. Chase did not wake up. I get it. You're running a show. There's a lot going on. Chase did not wake up. We got this taxi driver. We called him and we were like, yo, we're in a pickle. Uber was not picking up. Lyft was not picking up. Damn. We were like east of Spokane in this hotel, which is fine. 
but nobody was picking up. And we called this taxi guy. And I was like, uh, taxi man, can you come? And he's like, I'll be there in 20 minutes. And I was like, it's already 4.55 at this point. The flight takes off at 6. I was like, we're not making this fucking flight. Like, there's no way. This man, God bless him, flew down the freeway. He also had my favorite quote of the weekend, which is, he was like, what do you guys do? It was like me and Funny Bone and Zicky in this taxi. And I was like, oh, we're pro wrestlers, like John Cena. And he goes, the actor? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> there are people who just recognize him as like, yeah, Peacemaker, and he was in that Amy Schumer movie. That guy, I thought he was just like a bodybuilder who became an actor. And I was like, well, so he also wrestles, uh, you know, like, you can't see me, like, thugonomics. And it, I mean, I think he knew eventually kind of what we were getting at. Uh, and he was this big dude with a mohawk, right? Like, big, muscular dude. And he's like, I'd wrestle, but I lost my leg in a motorcycle accident. And I was like, yo, all the better reason to have you wrestle I think you'd be great, and you're a big dude. You wouldn't have to bump. And he goes, I got another friend. I lost my left leg. He lost his right leg. And and we figured if we were wrestlers, we'd be a pretty silly tag team. And I was like, you guys would be the coolest tag team. And then we started talking about uh, Hip Hop Harry, who is a wrestler with one leg who wrestles at Hood Slam a lot. And he's incredible, and he can do all sorts of stuff, and he can hit the ropes, and he can do moves, and he does cool shit off the top. And I think like the bigger point is like, some people think because maybe they have a disability or something different about them that they can't do wrestling. Guys, sorry to break the bubble. It's pretend we work around your abilities. I've, I've wrestled plenty of people who have all their legs and they're fucking terrible. Um, so it's honestly, it's, it doesn't take you out of the running just because you like don't have a particular limb. I think that makes it more interesting to tell the story. I wrestled a guy one time as a heel in Florida and he was a, former soldier who lost one of his arms in the war, like in an uh, explosion, like real deal. Damn. And I, he pitched this spot to me and it's going to sound horrible, but he has one arm. So I grab the, like the limb that is disabled that he lost. He told me this was fine. Like this is going to sound really harsh and I'm working heel. So I'm being a piece of shit, but I grab this arm and I yell short arm clothesline which is a move where you hold someone's arm and give them a clothesline. But I was holding his short arm and I gave him a clothesline. So it's a short arm. It, the spot got a lot of booze at the time that it happened. Uh, Wounded Warrior was his name. He was excellent. Wrestled in Crestview, Florida, I think, years ago. But he was like, no, that's fine. That's hilarious. And I think he still won the match. So like, I think people like this like should definitely be involved more in wrestling. I think the more perspectives we have in wrestling, the more people who come from a different world with different things that they've overcome, like all wrestling is a storytelling. If you have a story, like let's tell it and let's show yeah. how you overcome the odds. Like that's the big John Cena thing, overcoming the odds. It's beautiful to take things that people would look at and say like, that seems like a weakness and then turn it into something where it's like, like, that's the way to inspire people. Not like being like, ah, oh, you can't do this. You don't, you're not like us. No, we're, who's like us? We're all fucking freaks. This is the carnival, baby. Come make some money and do your shit. We will work around you. The best version of a professional wrestler is someone who can do sort of any match that makes the opponent look good. And I'm sitting here going like, I got some ideas for matches with you, pal, with you and your tag team partner. And both of you have one leg and you're giant and jacked. This is excellent. This is going to be the best match of all time. So to the taxi driver who took us to the airport and got us there in time, and we got on the flight in time, God bless you. And I can't wait to be in your debut match. Thank you for getting us to the airport. This man and a police, please don't listen. 
was flying in this minivan on the on the freeway. He's like, I'm gonna get y'all there. You don't have to worry. We pulled up at 528. That flight takes off at six. I still checked the bag. I convinced Southwest to let me check the bag. Got through security really quick. Got on the plane. And then they announced immediately, like, got on the plane just in time. And they go, uh, bad news, folks. Turns out last night coming in, they hit a bird with the plane. I uh, didn't see it because it was dark, but we just saw it. Going to be about another 45 minutes to an hour before we could take off. Uh, you might miss your connecting flights, but uh, we'll do our best to rebook it if we have to. And I'm going, I'm already getting home because of the time difference at 4 o'clock. I already have to go through Denver, which can be a fucking nightmare. And now we've hit a bird, so I don't even know if I'm going to get home in time. Turns out we did. We took off. We landed. I spent literally four minutes in Denver walking off the plane to the next gate onto the next plane. Obviously, sitting on the taxi, I was probably technically in Denver longer. But legally speaking, in the city of Denver of my own free volition, four minutes in Denver. It's the quickest I've ever like been anywhere. It was Literally, I walked right into the plane. And we take off. And I... Told you this when I got home, but it's one thing you've told me about, which is like, you're always going to feel like you're late and you're always going to feel like you're going to miss it. And you never do. And I never do. I always feel late as fuck. I was like, there's no way we're making this connection. I'm walking off the plane at 1015. The plane takes off at 1030. They let us on. It was incredible. Just like the timing is magic. It worked. We made it home. I took that Marta. I walked through the fall festival. Over here in Candler Park, it was beautiful. They had pumpkins and bats and witches and candied apples. And I just sort of like took a little footage. It was a hell of a weekend here. Yeah, Lots it looks sick. On. And all the decorations up right now in Candler Park, it is awesome. Like it is so cool to see how into it people get with yeah. their Halloween decorations. My favorite so far is the, um, what's the Nicolas Cage? And he's on a motorcycle and he has a skull Ghost Rider. Head. Ghost Rider. Someone has like a off-brand Ghost Rider in their yard that on the rules. full motorcycle with the skull head and the leather jacket. Fucking sick. Uh, and just seeing the lights at night. It's just like, it's a very pleasant, fun community to be a part of. We live in Halloween Town. We really do live in Halloween Town. And not even just during Halloween. Like, this place is decorated with weird... This is like a... If mushrooms were a city kind of a place. I mean, when we were, when I was moving stuff over here earlier this summer, there's a house I was driving by and I was like, we're not really that close to Halloween, but you have 20 skeletons on your porch. Just in the middle of the day. Yeah. I love it. I'm obsessed. God bless Atlanta. Uh, Also, I had to correct AJ he was like, isn't there like crime over here? We're right next to Little Five Points. Like, I guess he had a perception. We get the magazine here, okay? They list all the crimes. There's like maybe four crimes a month in the whole area, and they're not real. They're like silly crimes, like mm-hmm. someone moved my trash can or like someone someone might have knocked on my door. Like, there's no real crimes going on in this area, and it's beautiful, and it's families, and it's dogs in the yard, I had someone come into the store the other night and they were like, is it okay to be in this area? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Where are you from that you don't know that that's okay? It's fine. We're good. And then I made the comment of like, you know, Atlanta rules if someone yells at you, you ignore it. And they were like, what? And I was like, 
oh, where, yeah, maybe where, you shouldn't be in there. <laughs> what are you, from Little House on the fucking Prairie? I love, and we discussed this last night, like, Atlanta is simultaneously, like, this filthy, urban, wild thing, while also being the most beautiful, natural, tree-lined, like, lovely forest city. And having both at the same time, like, the Gemini in me loves the dichotomy of Atlanta, that it's just the most beautiful and silly and filthy and city place all at once. It's We have a little bit of the New York thing where at any given point in the day, you will see the most interesting or attractive human being, and they're right next to the craziest human being that you've yeah. ever encountered. Yeah, and but, you know, like, I've learned, and, uh, you know, I'm not ever rude to anyone, but if I don't have anything to give you, it's just like, turns out when you say, like, no, or I don't have anything, like it's taken as an answer. Like you don't need to be scared of people if they ask you a question. Uh, also getting off at the five points, Marta station where I do the train transfer. It always smells like fucking weed in there. And I was like, if I fail a drug test because I'm second handing from the Marta, I'm going to be furious. <laughs> I'm going to be so mad. I don't think I was so. And then second, uh, two times this weekend, weekend, uh, people came up to me and, and asked me questions about the Marta and how to use it. And I felt like such a wonderful local person to be able to be like, oh, no, you go here or you take this train or you do this. Like, we're a very helpful southern city. We're very polite and wonderful. There is something to southern hospitality. And returning to Atlanta after being anywhere, like, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. It's lovely. I've been yeah. everywhere in the world. I've been in every major metropolitan. I fucking love it here. I think it's perfect and beautiful and uh, very interesting all the time. And there's always stuff going on. Which brings me to our next portion of the podcast. Saturday, I think it was Saturday, I got a notification on Spotify while I was listening to the wonderful new James Blake album. It's so good. So good. But the timing on this is just incredible because the album just came out and then it said, hey, next Tuesday, James Blake's going to be in Atlanta. You should go. And I was like, should I Spotify? And then I texted you and I was like, hey, like, what are you doing Tuesday? Do you want to go see James Blake? Are you off? And you were like, I'm off. So I picked those tickets up right away, which were fairly cheap. I got tickets, you know, they were not that expensive at the Coca-Cola Roxy Theater. And then I texted AJ and I was like, hey, like, do you want to go to this concert? And he was like, I don't know. Who is it? And he liked one song and he was like, I'll go, which got me really excited. Like, we don't always share the same musical taste. He's going back to the same venue tonight to see Kim Petras. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm going to be here tomorrow to see Kim Petras. And I was like, this is lit. Like, how cool is this? You're doubling at the Coca-Cola Roxy. Uh, I wish we could go see Kim Petras tonight. I know. Sadly, you have to work. Yeah. I can't do concerts two nights in a row. I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's dense. And we hope you tour again, Kim Petras. We're sorry we're missing you. But we went to James Blake. Let's discuss how fucking incredible this show was. Just... Yeah, okay. So this was the first tour stop of the United States portion of the tour. Yes. Um, which I think is still pretty early on in the thing that he's doing this tour. He's only done like four European shows as like kind of a setup. And the set list was even a little more simplified from what I saw. Interesting. Okay, so one thing I have to say before we get deeper. Because this is a very weird synchronicity. AJ jokingly said in the middle of the set... Do you think he's going to play Sandstorm? Okay. This is with no knowledge, 
no prior knowledge. And I just start laughing. Like I was, cause AJ was next to me. He doesn't know a lot of the songs. He was enjoying a majority of the concert. He's not into some of the slower vocal songs, but he really enjoys like some of the bigger dubbier wild songs. And he said, do you think he's going to play Sandstorm? And I was just laughing. Cause like, I was like, there's no way James Blake is not going to play Sandstorm. Well, I'm trying to look up the set list this morning. And on September 28th, last week, his last European stop in London, that motherfucker played Sandstorm. Shut the fuck up. I swear to God. No way. This dude played Sandstorm as the intro for Tell Me. (laughs) (laughs) And here I am going like, you joker, he's not playing Darude Sandstorm. Yeah, he is. He played Darude Sandstorm five days previously. AJ had no clue. I had no clue. But he was like, he should play Sandstorm. And it turns out he had played Sandstorm. Oh, my God. Which means there was a chance AJ was going to be correct about him playing Unaware Witch. Unaware Witch. Yeah. The boy knows. The boy has a spiritual connection. It turns out he did play Sandstorm. So my apologies to AJ for doubting that silly request. Like, no, Sandstorm. No, he played Sandstorm. I can't even, my voice is gone after screaming last night. The girl in front of us uh, that was whipping us with her extensions mm-hmm. could not comprehend how much uh, wild feelings I was having at the show. She was like, were you licking the air? And I was like, yeah, I was. I was in the fucking zone, babe. I was feeling the bass. Uh, another thing that was fascinating was... Um, he did the Sammy Davis, Davis Jr. trick, I think. I can't tell if it was purposeful or not. I don't know. He's such a genuine little he boy. He is a genuine little boy. But I have to like at least reference Sammy Davis Jr. here because it's something he used to do in every set. Uh, that he would mess up a song and start it over again. And in the, mi- in the middle of singing... Uh, what, what was the song? Uh, Are You In Love? Are you in love? He forgot the lyrics and just stopped in the middle of the song and said, I have forgotten the lyrics. And then the crowd helped him hear the lyrics. And you could kind of hear the girls being like, watch her foot. Her foot might be stuck in that blanket. Um, the crowd helped him with the lyrics and it like endeared him to the crowd even more. So if it was yeah. just him forgetting the words, it was adorable. And there's nothing I like better than a tall British twunk being being a klutzy little boy you know like oh gosh i've forgotten the lyrics to my own song could you help me out singing it could you help me sing it uh it was it's so endearing and perfect and if it wasn't on purpose perfect if it was on purpose boy you know your performance history don't you yeah i don't think it was though. i think watching that boy try to be a front man so he did most of the set sitting at his pianos i i looked back at you and i was like it's adorable to watch him be uncomfortable being a front man. It was very like, I don't know what to do with my hands. But it was so cute. And he even played the Spider-Man song. Yes. Hummingbird. Oh, just like, it was perfect. If if you are a electronic music fan whatsoever, go see him on this tour because he did the hardest thing ever and figured out how to play everything Analog, live. baby. He's making modular synths make all the sounds and doing it live. And it sounds, it's everything that he did last night was pitch perfect, exactly how it sounds on the record. Yes. 
and then he was doing improvs on everything, like adding in little sections here insane. and there where you go, this is one of the most insane sounds I've ever heard coming out of any musical instrument ever. Yeah. And you have created these sounds using these weird modular synths. The, the God bless that drummer. Oh, incredible. Jesus fucking Just Christ. did not miss a fucking beat no, the whole night. No. And getting to see that like 80s looking computer mod synth setup that with any other band would have just been like a prop. Like I think back to Justice's tour. I love Justice. They are not doing these things live. And they also have fake Marshall amps set up. So it's very much like a showman amp. Like yeah. we have 30 fun, 30 fun amps around us. I also think those two dudes were way too fucked up to be playing anything live. No, yeah. Did you ever see the documentary where they go to a house showing with the yeah. lead singer of the Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers? Yeah. Love that song. I love it. I love this song for you making for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's my impression of Justice. I'm having fun today. Uh, full set, just everything. Did the Joni Mitchell cover? Did the fucking Frank Ocean cover? And then closed the show out with fucking I Remember Super Dub Set. Yeah. <sighs> just... Eating. The the lights were all live, which was really live light show. Cool. Yeah, so technically a four member band, like he said, you've got a drummer, you got synth man who opened the show with his uh uh I'm Rob and I make music under the name Airhead. I'm Taylor and I make art under the name Effie. <laughs> what if that's how I was announced every night when I came out? This is Taylor and he makes wrestling under the name Effie. AJ was being really sweet and he was like Oh, this is interesting. You know, I like this kind of music when I'm like going to sleep. <laughs> he said at one point he goes is this like a popular song <laughs> it was very lo-fi like ambient electronic like as an opener a bunch of drip drip drop drip drop yeah i made a reference that i'm not going to make here of it sounded a particularly like someone who is uh a bad person that we learned who is a bit abusive to people but it was like if you had that without the baggage yeah. you know included yeah uh, it was lovely. It was a soundscape. Uh, but he he pulled me aside after James Blake had played, and he was like, oh, thank God. I was really hoping it was not going to all be like the first guy. Uh, I kept saying to AJ when a song was started, I'd be like, oh, this is about to rip. And he and at one point he goes, you're saying that for every song. And I was like, I believe it for every song. I feel it in my heart for every song. Like, James Blake wails vocally. Like, yes. he, there is a range... And, and it was incredible. He hit every note how perfect. perfect. He hit it. And just hearing him like just warble and play around with like some of those later like cool down songs. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And you could tell he was having fun, which I think is a big thing going to see a musician where you go, you're having a fucking ball up yeah, there. Yeah. It's the difference of, um, thank you guys for coming. We love our fans. And like he was like, you genuinely all bring me joy. Yeah. I needed yeah. this. What a wonderful time. I feel so good about the tour now. Yeah. And it was magic and genuine and, and, and that is that is one of the things that I love about living in Atlanta, where it's like you do hear the, oh, this is the best city to play in. But legitimately, Atlanta is one of the best cities yes. for musical acts. Yes. Like and we people will show up and vibe out regardless of whatever it is. We're a very low key city, but we're very appreciative of all sorts of art. Yeah. And I think it's just like. I, I think about it in the sense of like, there's sort of a northeast attitude in a lot of ways of like, well, come on, impress us. 
And even like some of the Chicago shows are like everybody's a little too cool sometimes at Chicago shows. But in Atlanta, it's just like everybody's like, yeah, we're going to do the thing. Like, let's go have some fun. Let's make it happen. I hope concerts are like that where you are or where you're from. But there is I prefer seeing artists in Atlanta. Yeah. And I've been driving to Atlanta since I was, I mean, in high school, early high school to see shows. And it's always been a destination for me to see the best concerts. It's magic. It's perfect. I want to see more shows. I was happy to be home for this. Like, thank God you're playing Atlanta on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. I've missed a lot of concerts this year because I've been booked. Because they're Friday, Saturday. And to be home and be available. And going to a show, you'd think like, oh, like you're at shows all the time. Wrestling shows. I mean, it's a little different. But it's like, there's something so refreshing about attending a show where I don't have to do anything. Where I'm aware of everything going on. But it doesn't concern me at all. I'm just here as a spectator. Now, we do have to say this. I joked when we got there. I said, I don't think this is going to be the crowd that knows I'm Effie. Like, thank God. I don't think this is going to be an Effie-centric crowd. I don't think anybody's going to recognize me. Wrong. (laughs) Wrong. After the opener, someone did. And they said, are you Effie? And I was like, I am. And we had a conversation. They had seen me wrestle at center stage before. They had known about Big Gay Brunch. And... Every time someone tells me how much they appreciate Big Gay Brunch or appreciate what I'm doing or appreciate that I'm in my own fucking lane and I'm creating my own world, uh, it makes me probably add another Big Gay Brunch. I keep saying I'm going to retire after next year from Big Gay Brunches, not from wrestling. And every time a civilian comes up and compliments me on what I do, I think I should keep doing it. So... It's a. Uh, it was really funny though that like this has finally happened enough where AJ was like, "I'm leaving this yeah, right yeah, now." Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Yeah, hey, me too." I'm- it's not like a novel thing anymore, and I don't want to. It's like I'm not bragging. I'm not braggadocious. I get recognized all the time now. Yeah. Which, once again, like proving my earlier point, and I'm not hot taking, but like to be someone who has literally never been on television, and to be able to travel the world in a desired fashion where people are specifically coming to see me and to be recognized at the mall, at the movies, in the sauna, at concerts. Like it is such a blessing. It is so insane. And it is such a new kind of horizon for where our business is going. And I think like, like I said, the switch is flipped. Nobody's really saying it out loud yet, but Effie fans are saying it out loud when they come up to me in public spaces and they're honestly wonderful and respectful and cool people. And it's not weird. And it's great. And I feel very appreciated. And he was also understanding where I was like, yeah, I'm going to go watch this show now. Like, great to see you. Cool stuff. I'm going to go watch the show with my friends. He was like, I recognize your partner, too. And I was like, yep, that's him. <laughs> he's over there. <laughs> yep, he's uh, doing his own thing. Who, who, once again, is more over than you. Oh, yeah. Like, this guy was like, oh, I know you because you're Effie. AJ had people just flocking to him because he's beautiful. Just like, like you said, they were like, look at his eyes. Oh, everyone behind me, they're like, he's such beautiful. He's so eyes. pretty. Look at him. Like, they're not aware of who he is. They're just like, that guy's so pretty. I need to go talk to him about his overalls and his cute outfit and his demeanor. And I don't even think he realizes it sometimes. Like, when he's in public, it's just like, he, people are drawn to him. He's, mm. you think I'm over? Be in a room with AJ. They don't know who he is, and they're obsessed with him. They're like, oh, yeah, you're Effie. I've seen you. Yeah, I've seen you wrestling. Who is that? I got to say something. <laughs> is he like Is he like a tall Rami Malek with a better attitude? Oh, my God. Please. 
does Remy Malik have a bad attitude? I don't know. It looks like he probably does. Yeah. I would if I was Remy Malik. But he's also like 5'3 and AJ's 6'3. So like yeah. he's a very like he fills a room when he comes in. He has a, an aura when he's around. Mm-hmm. And it's it's wonderful for me because number one, he does not give a shit about professional wrestling. He does not care that I'm Effie. He loves me very much. He thinks I'm very cool. But there is no part of our love that is built on like, and did you know he's a superstar? It's very just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Calm down, kid. (laughs) You know? And I love that. I need that. He keeps me grounded. He keeps me on the earth. And we had a wonderful week together. We had wonderful conversations. And to have him come to that show sort of blind was a a loving, trusting thing for him to do. I'm so glad he came. Yes. He had a great time. Um. I had a great time. You had a great time? Yes. I'm yes, so yes, happy. Yes. What a field trip to go on. I know. I'm sorry that I call us going to events like podcast field trips, but like, listen, it's all content. I don't know. Baby. That was like the best part of uh, school was field trips anyway. So yeah. I don't, and it's fun to go to things with like your friends that appreciate the same yeah. things as you. Yeah. And you can reflect with on them. Go see James Blake on this tour if he comes anywhere it's, near you. Even if you've never listened to a single James Blake song or album, it's a spectacle. It is a spectacle. It is enthralling. It is physical. Like you really can feel the loudness. Interesting use of darkness. I think we, yeah, we talked briefly about this, but like the way the light show was set up for you to sort of fill in the blanks and the depth that was added when the light started changing with the curtains and the background draw, like it was very simple lighting, but it was highly perfect. effective. Yeah, yeah. Highly effective. Yeah. That is that is like, the word. I I once saw the national at the Fox Theater, and the only Sad Girl Nights. Oh my God! The only thing that they did for their lighting was on the two giant projection screens. They just had solid colors, and it would subtly change. Wow! And that was it. That was fucking it. That new national record fucked me up. It is dense. Yeah, I uh, I had to kind of like put them on the back burner because it was just sad music I think I needed it. I was in a tough time and I needed some of those songs and they were very good and just sometimes you want to cry in your car. It's okay. Yeah. Like, uh, the best thing you can do as an adult is like find your cry times. Have your moments. I was it's having, so healthy. I had a couple of those during the show last night. Good. I was like, I can, I am just uncontrollably filled with emotion right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't ever want to bottle up my emotion mm-hmm. or try to hide. I want to live in it. I want to accept it. If it's joy, if it's tears, if it's sadness, I want to just like be in all of it. And I think we're both pretty good at that. We're both pretty, we're emotionally vulnerable and I think it's necessary. Sometimes I'm a little bit of a bull. I cock up a little bit, but you know, that's uh, it's part of the side effects of being a badass professional pretend fighter. Okay. <laughs> but I'm not afraid to cry. I'll cry right now. <laughs> One tier or two tiers. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Margo. Yes. Shout out Babylon. Do we have questions this week? We do. Ooh, baby. Um, one of my realizations on my second watching of Babylon is that um, when she projectile vomits on everyone, that she does a double take on it where she leaves the party and then goes and then runs back in to puke, which I think is just such a decision to have it be like, no, 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 no. You could do this out here. I could do this out here, but I'm not going to. That's beautiful. There's a lot of moments in that movie. The Tobey Maguire subplot is just... It's, uh, 
honestly, it might be the the real heart of that movie. It's the core of the film, which is don't forget that this is all carnival freak show shit. Don't forget that Hollywood has glammed everything up. And it's how I feel about wrestling in a way, which is, hey, I get it. You know, let's reference all the things we love about wrestling. Let's protect the business. Let's keep the spirit of it alive. Also, it's a carnival trick. Don't forget. Okay, since we're talking about music, this one is from Sean. Do you like to listen to music during coitus? If so, favorites. Okay, so not always and sometimes. Um, but I have to tell this story because in college we had a, a game we played a little bit. And I think I was one of the main players of the game, but others played it. And it's called Can We Listen to the Bee Gees? And so what you do is if you're having sex with someone for the first time, like college, you know, what, there's some one night stands. You put on the Bee Gees, but not like the popular songs, like some deep cuts. And you see if they ask you to change it at any point. <laughs> And if they ask you to change it, you have to tell them to leave. Whoa. <laughs> no one asked me to change it. They just kind of rolled with it. I'm pretty sure everybody was like a little, we were party animals. So, but yeah, it was, uh, you just put on the Bee Gees and it's hilarious. But like, not like, how deep is your love? Like, tragedy! When the feeling's gone, you can't go on this tragedy! Like, real weird, deep cut Bee Gees <laughs> songs. Um, uh, going back to James Blake last night, on the way home, you referenced the Cher Does ABBA album. Oh, my God. And then <laughs> we proceeded to listen to said album. Yeah, I referenced a funny story that I can't tell here about the Cher Does ABBA album. Uh, but you were you were like, okay, this one and this one, I know these are on the album. And then uh, you ended up, there was a moment where you were wrong, and then it turned out you were right. It was just under a different name. Right, right. So the, the density of... You know this album like the back of your fucking hand. It was one of my top albums of the year. Like someone was asking me, they're like, what music do you listen to? And I was like, honestly, this year I've only listened to Cher Does ABBA. And we referenced that you had not seen either of the Mamma Mia films. No. You were like, I heard these are silly. We should watch them. And I was like, yeah, so I've seen them a lot. Uh, they're really good. I love Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia. Here we go again. And with the release of Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again with Cher as Meryl Streep's mom, uh, she did release a full covers album of ABBA songs, and it is the most shared. Like she's like, "What are the share memes? Is it that I do this?" And then she does that the whole time. And well, it is, now the share memes are uh, kidnapping. Well, you know, don't kidnap your children, even if you disagree with who they're marrying. But also, share can do whatever the fuck she wants. But could I real quick share my relationship with ABBA because it's weird? You want to share your up. relationship no. with ABBA? Yeah, please, please. Um, so my dad was a big ABBA fan because there are certain like pop culture things where it was like, this doesn't really add up with who you are, but for some reason this right. is a thing. So there was like a lot of ABBA being played, uh, in my childhood. <laughs> and then, um, the movie old school came out, okay, which features the Dan band. Yes. And the Dan band's whole thing was we cover songs that are classically sung by female artists or female performers, but we put curse words in them. Yes. And on their live album, which I've unfortunately listened to quite a bit of, um, they do an ABBA melody with a bunch of cursing in it, and I can't hear those songs. Like, I just want to throw fuck in the middle of all of those. <laughs> I love that. Um, 
could you give me an example of a lyrical Dan Band ABBA fuck? Um, God, you're really testing my memory on this one. Um, it would be like like shit, like Mamma Mia, shit, like just like real, like just throwing it in, like throw it in there. Um, they're like fucking how much I love you. Like yeah. shit, like yeah. <laughs> it's very okay. casual the way that it's done. Yeah, I love shout out the Dan band for being just the weirdest. They've been in so many weird movies I too. I know, I know. They they're like the wedding band in, in a Vince Vaughn comedies, Will yeah. Ferrell comedies for a the for, for a, a concentrated while. like decade. Yeah. Yeah, there were quite a few Dan band appearances in movies and it was great. Um was good it? for you. Well, <laughs> Abba's great. They did that Total Eclipse of the Heart. The Total Eclipse of the Heart is the best one. Yeah. it's. Uh, I think that's the classic Dan Band example that you get into. So yeah, music during fucking uh, and fucking added to music. All great. Uh, and try the Bee Gees game. See if it works. I, I love how Patreon updated in the middle of doing this podcast. Hell yeah, as it should. Just on the riff. Please sign up for the Patreon, weekendateffies.com. We are... Are we changing it yet? Have we changed it? We just got to jump the gun and do it. Um, so November is going to be the change. Um, I mean, we could talk about the changes if we wanted to. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll tell you on the page. Yeah. Um, basically, basically what it's going, what we're going to do with it is I'm going to keep the same tiers up for what everyone is on now and then add, there's going to be three new options, breakdowns of every, it's finally going to be if you pay for a higher tier, you get more content instead of just two at the same. Um, so for November, basically how we're going to have it, and there's going to be other options. Like if you are a regular subscriber and you'd like to save a bit of money, we are doing annual subscriptions as well. Oh yeah. Things will shift over to that. Um, so how we're, how it's going to get left up is the tiers that you're on now. So you won't lose access to anything, but by the time that we hit November, switch over to whatever tier that you want to be on. Yeah. And then we're going to drop the current two tiers. Yeah. It's going to be easy. It's great. It's going to make access better and it's going to be more simplified. And also like you're going to be, you're going to get benefit from actually paying more because the tiers right now are here's the tier and here's the tier if you want to pay more and it's all the same. And that was just laziness on my part. But uh, thank you all. If you've signed up for the higher tier, it is wonderful and beneficial and uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll post my ass. I don't know. seems like I could. Wait, can I not post nudity on Patreon? You actually need to verify your identity so we can do... Because you technically... It's technically they under... You gotta match my cock up. <laughs> technically, we're an adult only, which I guess sort of applies. Okay. Um, but it is. it has been asking us to do the... This is... The housekeeping that doesn't need to be on the podcast, but yeah, 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 it's fine, but it's interesting. Um, okay, this is from Julie Scott. Top five Halloween treats. Any obscure recommendations? Okay. Um, where do you? Okay. Candy corn. I fucking love candy corn. Uh, I love all forms of candy corn. I will eat bags and bags of candy corn. I saw Steph Delander posting like candy corn's disgusting, and I was like, bad news, honey. Uh, I fucking love it. I love those little pumpkins. Well, Steph Delander just became my new favorite wrestler off yeah, of that she, opinion. Wait, so you're not a candy no. corn person? 
To quote uh, a very old Lewis Black joke, uh, no new candy corn has been made since the 70s. There's actually elves that go around and repackage up the old candy corn and then sell it the next year. I eat a lot of candy corn, so I'm going to... I'm going to say no. I'm going to say I've eaten enough candy corn where they had to make some more candy corn. I will have one piece of candy corn every year, and then I'll go, yeah, terrible. Oh, I'll just sit here, and I'll have full poops that are just candy corn. Do you do... (laughs) Is that fucked up? Do you do the pumpkin ones, too? Oh, yeah, I love the pumpkin ones, because they're thicker, and there's more chew to them. Just the waxy texture and the honey flavor of that messy little Mm. sugar block. Okay, anything that is like bat branded, I'm there for. Okay. That's my biggest disappointment with the Oreos. Oreos, the blue Oreos is they discontinued the black or the bat Oreos. Yeah. Um, I love the Reese's pumpkins. Okay. Those are the best Reese's. Now, are the pumpkins and the eggs in the same mold? They're, it's the same thing. It's the same shit. thing, right? But pumpkins, it's pumpkin. Uh, ever since they started making Reese's big cups, I can't do anything else. I love a big cup. Uh, what about those caramel apple suckers? You like those? Eh. I love them. Eh. I think they're great. For me, I think I used to. So I used to do the pillowcase, and I would really get some candy, and then I would organize the candy. And my rule was Kit Kats first, Butterfingers last. Uh, I don't know why. Like there was Kit Kats first, everything in between, Butterfingers last was my eating order. I love miniature candies. I love. I don't like how much trash they create, obviously, but. Uh, those are fantastic. I think like the they may, they have the pumpkin cream pies right now from Little Debbie. You know what I'm talking about? They're oatmeal cream pies, but they're pumpkin flavor oh. centers, and they look like pumpkins. Uh, I love anything pumpkin flavored. I've been getting those pumpkin Same. muffins from Starbucks Ooh. with the they've got the cream cheese center. They're so fucking good. I don't know holiday fall favorites like Halloween season treats are better to me than Christmas treats or Easter treats. I like anything spooky and magical and weird, and uh, there's so much to choose from, and I think you got to try it all. you got to get in there and, and yeah. find what you love. I'm very aware that it's all just the same candy from other holidays, but also it tastes better because it's Yeah, it's Halloween. Themed. And also, uh, I want the sale candy. I want to go in and yeah. get big bags of sale candy and have fun. I think we're going to get some trick-or-treaters this year. We might. And so I'm going to make sure we keep the porch light on. And I'm going to get full candy bars because I'm going to be that girl. Oh, the baby's asleep. Oh, my gosh. The, for as wild as they were acting at the beginning of this episode, they are now both very calm. Yeah. The, we well, sent them off with our lullaby voices. Our beautiful lullaby voices. Uh, okay, this is from Brittany. Peter and Effie, sorry for another music question. Please answer, ask music questions. We yeah, we love way music too much questions. about music. Uh, Shared Ozawa. That's my answer. Uh, favorite 1975 song slash albums? Um, hopefully, Matt Healy gets his life together. Uh, Look, him and Ice Spice had a conversation. They did. And it sounds like they worked it out. Pause for a second because you just said Ice Spice's name. I made you watch all the Ben Affleck Ice Spice commercials for Duncan. Oscar worthy. What is with his accent though? He's doing a full Boston accent about Duncan. Ice Spice, you can't just show up at Duncan and call it a munchkin drink, but I put munchkins in the drink. What? What? It's, he's really leaning into his Boston. I, I wish he would show his dragon back tattoo more often. Uh, you know, Ben Affleck and Ice Spice, I'd watch that Buddy Cop movie in an instant. 100%. They have chemistry. 
even if the whole thing is just a Duncan commercial, like full length Duncan commercial. Like someone robbed a Duncan and they're the only ones that can figure it out. Or even just they're going around doing their buddy cop business and they just won't stop drinking Duncan and eating munchkins. Or they do all the meetings they have at a Duncan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm involved. Yeah. I love this. Uh, we did watch the Casey Affleck Dunkin', Dunkin Donuts. Yeah, the SNL uh, Dunkin' SNL. Bit, where it really leans into the Boston locals. We love you. We celebrate Boston. It always just makes me think of Alec Price when I hear that voice. He's um, a Massachusetts buster. So I loved the last record. I think it's their best record yeah. ever. Um, I think the problem with me, the only problem really with the 1975 is if you like take out like four of the weird noise tracks that are yeah. just in the middle of it it's like a great album full of catchy tunes but like also you're like why are there 25 tracks on here and six of them are just ambient noise and a robot voice they, please calm down what are their albums you can only like if you look at the genres over the majority of the songs on the albums you go this is a country drum and bass album <laughs> Um, that's what happens when you get off the smack. You make country drum and bass music. We're proud of you for overcoming your addiction. You, you know how, you know, the rehab that he went to, it was one of the horse ones. Really? Where you yeah. like learn to be kind and empathetic to horses. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, shout out horses, really powerful creatures that are helping people get off a of smack. I think that's great. Um, I really like, I like the last one. I think uh, the second one, though, what is the the one with Ugg and Love Me? Yes. It's very poppy in 80s, but I really enjoy it. Um, love it if we made it. I just love I, it if we made it. Love that it. is an emotional song for Peter. You know who got me into the 1975? Who? My youth pastor cousin. Oh, my God. He was like, have you heard of this band? And I was like, he was like, it's girly. You're going to like it. And I think like I heard Chocolate and the City first, and I was like, Wait, why are you listening to this? My acoustic youth pastor cousin who plays in worship bands. And it turns out it uh, crosses all spectrums and genres. And even if we're not going to heaven, we can still listen to the music of people who are maybe. I don't know. Or I guess if he's going to. I don't know. You're not going to be able to listen to the 1975 in heaven. So get it out of your system now, Christian yeah. youth group leaders. <laughs> Um, okay. Hello, Peter and Effie. Hope you're doing well. Looking forward to seeing Effie at Freelance on the 27th. Hey, new champ. Quick question. I know Effie has a GameCube now, and with it being Halloween time, there's an infamous horror game exclusive to the GameCube called Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem. Oh, my God. Just wondering if Effie has heard of it. It features a sanity meter, and if the bar started to go down, there would be different effects to mess with the player, including four fourth wall breakout effects, such as saying your entire memory card data has been erased. Although I know that has happened to you. Sorry, I have Lucy sitting in my lap right now, the culprit for. Yeah, she. So I was playing the Hello Kitty game, and I got to level ten of sixteen, and Lucy was in my lap. And then she had a little freakout moment and jumped up, and the GameCube hit the floor, and the save file was corrupted. So I have to beat the Hello Kitty game again. I want to say this about horror movies, or horror games. I can't fucking do it. I Even with Resident Evil, I have trouble. And I tried to play some of them, like, even on the PC, on stream, and I, like, I was, like, genuinely, like, folks, I cannot do this. Like, I can't be scared, and I'm very easily scared, and it's... I have heard of this game. I have not played this game. I cannot play this game. I just can't do horror games. I can't even play Five Nights at Freddy's, okay? 
Like yeah. I can't do any of this. I can't really either. It's I'll watch a horror movie because I know it's gonna end. With the game, like I just I'm having to do the exploration. Like, let me tell y'all something. If I hear a noise in the basement, I'm not fucking going to the basement. I'm leaving. I'm not gonna be a part of this. Let me tell you how my horror movie would go. I'd be like, I think there's some horror going on here. I'm gonna go. <laughs> and that would be it. It'd be a two-minute film. Same with the games. I like I played one of them for like literally five minutes and I was like like someone bought it for me on Steam. I don't even remember what the game was called. I played for like five minutes and I was like, Nope, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. See ya. Not for me. Stresses me out. I don't need stressors in my life. And playing horror games just like what is it? What's not collagen? What's the stuff that builds up in your stress? It's like a C word. I don't know. Whatever the stress cortisol. Cortisol. I don't need that raise. Oh my god. Oh, is it? We got the testing. Oh my god, what a way. Wow. We just got the national alert. We just got five G. I didn't get anything. I'm gonna tweet alert. Okay. Uh, up. You got yours? I got mine. Oh my god. Alert! Alert! Okay, this is from Julia Alexander. Do you believe academic freedom is an essential working condition of faculty? Because Miami University in Ohio, administrators are claiming it's not, and we'd like the expert opinion of Effie and Pitar. What does this mean? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. I got a college degree. Um, I have to imagine it has something to do with like letting teachers teach what they're going to teach instead of like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Um, I'm of the belief, obviously, that if your belief system is strong enough, being presented with any facts that disagree with it will not hinder your belief system. And what we're getting at to in our country is sort of like if we don't tell anybody this stuff they'll not have a chance to make choices on their own and that is so stupid and it's very uh insecure with what you believe to be true if children are learning things and they're gonna learn it anyway guess what kids have fucking google and so getting to learn it from a real person who can explain things with a little more nuance is a helpful way for them to make decisions on their own if your belief system is correct and uh, unfaltering and unwavering, then learning new things from people should not be dismissive of your beliefs. But if your beliefs can be abandoned with the knowledge from others or with additional fact learning, then they're fucking stupid and they're terrible. And guess what? If you ban books, there's 11 people banning books. There's people trying to change the courses. Obviously, Florida right now is a fucking nightmare where they're not letting people learn like that our country uh, tortured and enslaved black people for uh, hundreds of years and only 200 years ago or less, I think it's 150 years ago, you know, people were literally under chains in plantations. And now we're going, we can't, the kids don't need to learn this. The kids shouldn't learn that we were, you know, racist, horrible people who were murdering slaves. No, fuck you. The kids are going to learn everything. And I think what it's going to lead to in the end is obviously people are still going to learn everything. Uh, Teachers should still find ways to teach what they have to teach. And um, 
you know, I just think there's a whole generation of kids coming up from these sort of uh, conservative believers that are going to completely abandon their parents. And I can't wait. I can't fucking wait. Good luck rotting in a funeral home uh, without anyone around you. You have created a system where your children have no interest in uh, helping you because you have tried to shield them from the real world. And I think that's going to be the most beautiful part of all. We are waiting for you to die. Isn't that a lovely way to look mm. at it? You've tried to you've tried to hold us back. We're waiting for you to die. It's it's also like cats out of the bag. Like what are you going to do? Yeah, the knowledge is there. This isn't like the 1800s where it's like you have to go find a mysterious book to learn these like, things. Good luck censoring this shit. Yeah, you can't. They have kids have the internet. It's out. It's also like all the stuff that was like my parents tried to hide from me when I was a kid. Well, it was like, you're just giving me a list of stuff to look into on my own. Yeah, you're telling me and what's cool? You're adding a taboo to it. Human beings love taboo. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, I'm not allowed to do that? <laughs> my bratty Gemini ass would love to be not allowed to do something. Here I go. Here I fucking go. Uh, but also, the higher education system is a complete scam. And what we consider college degrees are just little check marks that we've paid enough to a system and stayed enough in a system uh, long enough to be considered uh, worthy and loyal to a workforce at a later time. Like basically my degree just says, hey, he did something for four years. It was nothing I couldn't learn on Google. It was nothing that truly was educating me more than existing in the real world and just accepting and learning and being around new people and new situations. It's just a, a stamp that says he did a thing for four years. He'll probably be able to stay at a job for at least that long. Yeah. So yeah. Fuck the higher education system, go to a trade school, learn how to weld and make money and get benefits and join a fucking union. There you go. Okay. This is from Rick. As I am sitting watching in the mouth of madness right now, I need both of your favorite John Carpenter movies and favorite themes from his movies. I mean, let's pull up the full list. I don't want to make just a, we were talking about John Carpenter last week, weren't we? I believe so. Just yeah. Personally, just yeah. out of it. Um, I'm a huge escape from New York fan. Obviously snake Plissken. My old band had a song about snake Plissken. Uh, Halloween, obviously, one of the best of all time. The Thing, incredible. But They Live. They Live is uh, top-notch with uh, Roddy Piper seeing through everything. Big Trouble in Little China rules. Um, he didn't He didn't direct Christine, did he? I don't like Christine. Uh, uh, he did direct Christine. Okay, Ghost of Mars actually fucking rips. Um, I don't know if you saw Ghost of Mars. Ghost of... Are we sure that rips? I am certain it rips. I'm, I maybe, I, what year did it come out? I was 12. So, um, maybe it doesn't rip, but it ripped to me and ice cubes in it and it was cool. Uh, I thought it was great. Jason Statham with hair. Whoa. Weird. Even weirder than Vin Diesel with hair. Um, no, I actually watched that one not too long ago and, uh, was dumbfounded at a lot of the stuff in that movie. Like they start that movie off by saying that uh, society has switched to a um, female-led version of society, okay. which you go, oh shit, that's fucking interesting. And then they never do anything with it the rest of the movie. That is weird. Uh, but females should be leading society. I was born from the loins of a woman. 
not um, from a man. I think In the Mouth of Madness might actually be my favorite. I think there, it deserves a remake. I think we need it again. Sam Neill is just incredible to watch. So I, that's why I started watching that one Apple TV show because Sam Neill was in it. And then he was only in one scene. And then I kept watching two seasons of it and it didn't get good or better. And I watched it at 2x speed. I watched a series on a plane at 2x speed because I was mad that I had already started it and that Sam Neill was dead. Shout out Sam Neill. Yeah, In the Mouth of Madness is crazy, but I think I think we got to do it again. Yeah. I just I'm such a dork for HP Lovecraft stuff and there's just no real good adaptations and no. that's like an inspired HB Lovecraft. You gotta watch underwater. You gotta watch underwater with Kristen Stewart. Fuck. Ugh. Uh, it's very HP Lovecraft in the best way, and it comes out of fucking nowhere. A personal shopper fucked me up. Personal shopper. Let's talk. Well, that's more of a minisode thing, but yeah. we should have discussed it on the minisode. But Patreon, weekendateffies.com. Movie minisodes, big discussions on Avatar this week. Very exciting stuff. Uh, shout out James Cameron. Thank you for doing what you do. I don't know. Carpenter's hard because I really love everything. And it's very varied. Like, it's not, yeah. he's not a one genre cat. Mm-mm. Like, there's so much different stuff. But he really, like, he's a master of horror tension, I think. You know? Especially, yes. like, like there's a lot of jump scare horror out there. There's a lot of, like, gore horror out there. But he's very much built on creating these moments of tension. But then you look at, like, Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. stuff. And it's like, he's also good at this gaudy, over-the-top, yeah. like campy action yeah. stuff, too. That's really incredible. I don't know. I love it all. We love you, John Carpenter. I wish you would soundtrack my life. Uh, okay, this is from Drugs Delaney. Hello. Um, I got this last night right as we were coming home from oh. the James Blake concert. Okay. And uh, Lucy and I had a moment. Uh, hope I'm not late. I'm just faded as fuck. Love you guys. For reals. Just came home from seeing Head Automatica. Holy shit. Daryl from Glassjaw's side project. What are some oddball side projects from bands that you like? And as soon as I got that, I immediately put on Beating Heart Baby and yes. Lucy and I danced around the house. Um, I just, I don't have a side project specifically, but I just want to tell a Glassjaw story. Okay. Because we're talking about Daryl Palumbo. Yeah. I got to see Glassjaw side stage at the Every Time I Die Christmas show, uh, standing in between Keith Buckley and Orange Cassidy. And Fuck. we watched a full Glassjaw set, just Fuck. me, Keith Buckley, and Orange Cassidy watching Glassjaw together. And I was like, this is fucking bizarre. What is my life right now? This is so sick. I would have never, like, if you were like, uh, what will the future hold for me? And they're like, you're going to watch Glassjaw with Keith Buckley and Orange Cassidy. I'd be like, no way. Yes way. It's fucking sick. Listen, I listened to Head Automatica before I listened to Glassjaw, but then once I got into Glassjaw, I was like, oh my God, this is it. I was a I was a huge Glassjaw dork, and then to have a poppy side project, um, especially because like I I've seen Glassjaw once, but I've had tickets to like four or five of their shows. Oh. I know he has some health issues yeah. that kind of stop him from touring here and there. Yeah, um, take care of yourself first. That's a rule. yeah. Um, but if you ever get the chance to see Glassjaw, it's fucking incredible. It's yeah, it's insane. Just like. And the amount of bands they've influenced now that like are around, you just sort of are like, oh yeah, yeah, shit just hits, yeah, and it's heavy and they're tight and they're good, but they're also like, they're grooving. 
But yeah, Head Automatica also rips, and I'm glad they're touring again. And I know, I think Allie went to see them too recently. So shout out Head Automatica. Um, I'm trying to think of some other weird side projects. Okay, I have a good one. Okay. Um, I loved straight, I still do love Straight Edge Band Trapped Under Ice. Is that a side project? No. Okay. I'm getting to the side okay, project. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so they did, so if you don't know Trapped Under Ice, they are like one of the, straight edgiest but like all their music is just i am strong because i don't do drugs and you are weak because you do drugs it's like it's like a less vegan earth crisis yeah. <laughs> is that what we're getting at yeah. okay shout out and also i think the lead singer is hot and like a weird like there's certain frontmans for hardcore like bands in where i go way? there's just so, like do you know um, Kublai Khan from Texas? Yes, yes, I do. Um, I saw them open for Knock Loose, and they got up there on stage, and dude is wearing like classic, like the like Wrangler jeans that are like a little bit tighter with boots and like fitted fitted tank top, and he's just calling everyone baby. All right, baby, we're gonna <laughs> do another song, baby. I love that. And it was I don't know, it just did something to me. What's on up, baby? Multiple, we're Kublai Khan. Yeah, Okay. Um, so I have this. I have like I will watch live videos of Trapped Under Ice, and I'm just oogling over their front man. Um, and so <laughs> they did. They have a side project that they do with. It's like two or three of the members from Trapped Under Ice, including the vocalist, who normally just scream yells. And they did a project with like drummer, guitar player, and maybe the bassist from Turnstile, which okay. is another one of my favorite hardcore bands. Um, and it is, they're called Angel Dust with a dollar sign. Okay, you got me to download some Angel Dust albums. Angel Dust is just great, straightforward rock and roll. No frills. There's nothing special happening, but you listen to the records and you go, this is one of the greatest rock and roll albums ever created. I'm excited to get into um, it. I just downloaded it. I have not listened yet. Listen to Rock the Fuck On Forever. Rock is, the Fuck On Forever. It is one of those albums that I will show to people and then they'll get back to me a month and they'll go, I've literally only listened to this record on repeat oh no like, i'm gonna be upset it is so fucking good okay i'm into it it's like it's just it's generic rock there's no other way to say it than that which i know is not selling it in any way shape or form but it's just solid solid fucking tunes i'm sold i'm sold again uh i am gonna bring up fun that first fun album with uh jack Antonoff when he was in steel train listen jack Antonoff wasn't always a loser cornball weirdo he was once in Steel Train, and I loved it. I, and I'm a big format fan. Oh, yeah, I loved, 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 loved the like the format. Fox. The format was the soundtrack to all of my high school romances. Oh my for god, fucking sure. Oh no, so it's got memories in it too, yeah. though. And I had the I had their farewell concert DVD where a guy from Jimmy Eat World comes out and does a bunch of songs with them. Oh. And that was another big high school band for me. It was Jimmy Eat World. We love Jimmy Eat World. Uh, they're still touring. Proud of them. I love. I, I don't know. Big. I. The format's trying to come back. I don't know if it's going to be successful or not. But uh, Dog Problems is one of the greatest oh, yeah. records ever written. Uh, they only did like three records though, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Fantastic. Yeah. I used to keep a format CD with two of those records on it, burnt in my car, because there's never a bad time to listen to the format. In my opinion. But that first fun record is just like, not the one that got real big with We Are Young, but like that first one is like, yeah. it's very Baroque and like yeah. weird chamber poppy. Yeah. 
and Rococo in a sense. I'm referencing weird things here, but uh, I loved it. I was into it. And shout out my uh, one of my best friends from high school and college, Walter. We're still tight. But big format, fun guy for me, too. So it, it brings me joy. That rules. Yeah. I love that. Hell We're yeah. all done. I love it. Thank you for listening. Weekend at Effies.com for the Patreon. Thank you for listening to the episodes. TikTok, Weekend at Effies. Uh, follow Pitar at Low Sky Dance on Instagram and on Twitter. And follow me, Effie Lives, because they couldn't fucking kill me. So Effie Lives.